Let yourself in. I'm in the middle of a spot of light surgery. Oh, it's you. Do come in out of the cold. This is Marie. She's a little clockwork mouse, and her gears are jammed. Marie, I was just telling you about my travelling friend here. They come to visit me quite regularly now. You know, clockwork isn't usually my area of expertise, but I do like to dabble in a range of different pursuits. But Marie, if you get the chance, I recommend you pop in on my dear friend Drosselmeyer. He'll be able to go over my work and ensure that you're in working condition for the longest possible time. This sort of thing is rather his speciality. Hmm? Oh, well I suppose I could tell you more about him. What about you, darling traveller? Would you like to listen in too? It's an interesting story, if I may say so myself. Once upon a time, there was a woman named Miss Drosselmeyer. Miss Drosselmeyer had been the sort of child that would rather take something apart to see how it worked than to play with the other children. She was much the same as an adult. Miss Drosselmeyer took apart a variety of things over the years, and she could always figure out exactly how to put them back together again, sometimes in a way that was better and even more efficient than the original had been. Her favourite things to take apart, though, ran on clockwork. Something about the way all the little gears fit together to make something work fascinated her. The moment she was old enough to do so, Miss Drosselmeyer opened her own small business. People could bring their broken clocks, watches or appliances to her, and she would fix them. After a couple of years, she had developed a reputation for being somebody who could fix absolutely anything. It was only after this reputation had been established that Miss Drosselmeyer realised that she loved making her own clockwork mechanisms much more than she loved fixing other people's work. She began simple. When learning a new craft, it's always best to start simple. If you're going to learn to bake, for example, you don't usually start with a three-tiered cake complete with little marzipan figures and pink frosting. You start with fairy cakes, or something small like that, something simple, and you work your way up to the three-tiered cake. So Miss Drosselmeyer started with simple clocks, the kind that sit on shelves or on tables, small enough to be held in your hands. And then she moved on to tiny clocks, to go in watches, or to hide away in pockets. And then she went on to enormous clocks, the kind that are far too big to go on a shelf, the kind that stand in the middle of marketplaces. She taught herself how to make little clockwork music boxes with wind-up keys, much like the one I have that plays Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake. Remind me to tell you the story of that sometime. It was her music boxes that helped Miss Drosselmeyer find her favourite pursuit of all. With each music box she made, the little figure that danced along to the song being played became more and more elaborate. She progressed from ballerinas that spun around and around in endless circles, to ballroom couples that tilted back in a dip every verse or so. And one day, she created a little fairy so elaborate that its tiny wings could lift it up 
out of the music box and carry it around the room. Creating artificial life became Miss Drosselmeyer's most beloved line of work. People would come from far and wide to see or even to buy her beautiful clockwork creations. And, spurred on by their praise, Miss Drosselmeyer's work became more and more elaborate. After decades spent building and creating the most intricate clockwork figures and gadgets you ever did see, Miss Drosselmeyer developed arthritis in her hands. This made it incredibly painful for her to do certain things with her fingers on some days. She was not a young woman anymore, and though she was able to create tools to help her continue to do the work that she loved, she knew deep down that she needed to start making plans for what would happen to her shop and her business should she pass away. She couldn't let all of her creating be for nothing in the end. So she built herself an assistant, a successor of sorts, who would be able to run things when she died. And because he wasn't human, but made of metal and clockwork and gears, he wouldn't develop arthritis like she had. If his fingers stopped working, he could just replace them. And over the top of the most elaborate clockwork system she had ever built, Miss Drosselmeyer used wax and fake hair to make her new assistant look truly alive. If you were to see him, you wouldn't suspect that he was a giant clockwork automaton at all. You'd think that he was a young man, with beautiful green eyes that were not made out of glass. Miss Drosselmeyer named her assistant after herself, Mr. Drosselmeyer, and told anyone who asked that he was her nephew. Anyone who had known her all her life would know that Miss Drosselmeyer was an only child. She didn't have any brothers or sisters, and so she couldn't have any nieces or nephews. But no one questioned it, at least not to her face. And Miss Drosselmeyer taught Mr. Drosselmeyer every single thing she knew about making toys and clocks and mechanics. And it was a lot. And when eventually Miss Drosselmeyer did pass away, many, many years later, her nephew was more than ready to take over her life's work for her. Mr. Drosselmeyer quickly discovered that his own favourite thing to create were little clockwork toys. The people who bought them, children and adults alike, were always so delighted with them. And the smiles on their faces and the joy that they took from playing with their new friends was enough to make Mr. Drosselmeyer feel like all of his hard work had been worthwhile. People in the small town he lived in did begin to notice after a couple of decades that he didn't seem to age. But he had become such an important part of daily life there that no one really minded. A lot of parents in the town asked him to be the godfather to their children, partially because they knew that he would bring them the best handmade toys for their birthdays every year. And eventually he had to start writing all of their names down, there were so many of them. He kept a list of all the godchildren he had, with a note to tell him when their birthday was and what kind of toys were their favourites. Some children were easy to make toys for. Little Fritz, for example, liked toy soldiers. He'd be quite pleased with a set of tiny robots with matching uniforms who could march across the room with straight backs. But his sister, Clara, was always much harder to create for. In these cases, Mr. Drosselmeyer would usually just create whatever his heart felt like making in that moment. It would never be something that absolutely filled a child like Clara's heart with absolute joy, 
but it might be enough to make her happy for a moment, and that was better than nothing in his mind. One year, he decided to try something different. Rather than working with metal, he carved a nutcracker out of wood. Unused to this kind of work, it took him a while to figure out. He made many prototypes, and he practiced a lot, and he soon realised a problem with wood that he did not have with metal. Mice. Mice liked to sneak into the back room of his shop when it was full of wood, and nibble away at it, and steal shavings from it to build their nests with. Metal shavings are not very comfortable, but wood. Wood creates a surprisingly soft and warm little bed if you are a mouse. I'm sure Marie here will tell you. But the mice did not realise that Mr. Drosselmeyer was not a normal person, and he did not need sleep. And so when he realised his mouse problem, he took to regularly stepping out into the back room at night with a broom to scare them away. And eventually they realised that for all the excellent quality of the wood, it wasn't worth the risk of being smacked on the head with the bristles of a broom. And so they left. And Mr. Drosselmeyer was able to present Clara with the best of his batch of nutcracker prototypes when her birthday came around. At first... She didn't like it. She rather hated it, actually. But sometimes, friendships take some time to form. A few days after he gave her the nutcracker, Clara arrived in his shop with it tucked under her arm. She wanted to buy some wood varnish and needed recommendations on the best place to go. She'd never bought any before. But her new friend was precious, and she wanted to keep him at his healthiest for as long as possible. Mr. Drosselmeyer gave her advice on where to shop, but he also told her that her nutcracker shouldn't need varnish for many years yet. He keeps coming to life and taking me on such wonderful adventures, Clara replied. If he gets chipped, I want to be able to fix it. Mr. Drosselmeyer hadn't meant to create a toy for Clara that could come alive. He eyed the nutcracker under her arm, and he could have sworn that it winked at him cheekily. And whether it was an accident, or something the mice did, or maybe even something that happened after the Nutcracker went to live with Clara, Mr. Drosselmeyer knew that his goddaughter was telling the truth. Thank you for listening to The Gingerbread House. This week's episode was inspired by The Nutcracker, a Russian ballet based on French writer Alexandre Dumas' adaptation of The Nutcracker and the Mouse King by E.T.A. Hoffman. If you enjoyed listening, please consider rating us or leaving a review on your favourite podcast streaming app, or telling a friend about our podcast. These are the best ways of letting us know that you'd like to hear more from us. You can also find us on Twitter at gingerbreadpod, all one word and Instagram at the gingerbread pod. Again, all one word. The Gingerbread House is written and produced by Daisy Plant, who also provides the voice for Melita, the witch. Again, thank you so much for listening. Tune in next time, when we'll be foiling a group of thieves. Repeatedly. <laughs>